0: Good morning. My name is Kate, and I serve on the operations and prayer teams here at Victory Church. Welcome. We're so thrilled that you decided to tune in. The vision of Victory Church is to see people reconciled to God and to each other. This morning, we have the privilege of receiving communion together. So I invite you now to go find some bread and juice or whatever you may have uh, so that we can commemorate this moment together. Communion is a celebration of the gospel, the gospel being that Jesus took our sin and received the wages of sin, which was death, in our place so that we might be made whole through him. Participation in communion is for anyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible, though, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we should not take communion in an unworthy or irreverent manner. So let's take a moment together and examine our hearts to ponder the sacrifice Jesus made for us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in the latter part of verse 23, that on the night our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25 says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you saw fit to send your son to save us, Lord, to save us in our unrighteousness, to save us in our sin, Lord. We thank you that the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross now gives us access to you, Lord. And we ask that we would allow our lives to reflect your great love. God, that we would lean into that sacrifice. And we thank you and we love you. Jesus name we pray. Amen.
1: Hello, Victory family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and we are glad in it. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we exist to see people reconciled to God and to each other. And I am so grateful, as I always am, that you have tuned in to worship with us this morning. If you've been with us before, you're probably wondering, what is this background? I'm used to seeing the Victory Church banner behind you, Pastor Paul. Well, for this past week, my bride and our three children have spent some time away uh, for recharging, for, for refreshing, if you will, for rest. And in so doing, we've invited a special friend, a special treat for you to break open the word of God with you. A friend, a dear brother for over 20 years now, Marion Mason, is going to to open up our series that we have for the month of November. But I have asked him to just share whatever God has laid on his heart. Uh, And so uh, while there are so many things I can say about a brother and friend I've known for over 20 years, I'm going to read his bio and maybe add a tidbit or two on the end. But Marion Mason is originally from Lincolnton, Georgia, but as a military child, he spent a number of years in North Carolina and the D.C. metro area. Marion is a sports enthusiast, and he competed in track and field at the University of Virginia, where he was captain during his time there and where he graduated with a B.A. in government and foreign affairs. He holds master's degrees in public administration and nonprofit management from George Mason University and religion from Liberty University. Marion has a deep passion for creating environments that optimize learning, personal development, and spiritual growth. Marion and his wife Tamika have been married since 2004, and they have three beautiful daughters, Miana, Micaiah, and Mikhail. Marion currently serves as the Kingstown Campus Pastor for National Community Church in Washington, D.C., where Mark Batterson is the senior pastor. And prior to assuming that role, he served the Boston community uh, for 10 years through a multi-ethnic church plant as a, a staff pastor, uh, through local nonprofit organizations and through local colleges where he served as an administrator for several years. The entire Mason family, they have been blessings and gifts to the body of Christ and no doubt to the Harris family and indirectly Victory Church to you. And so I'm glad finally to have him with us, uh, to be more of a direct blessing and you can hear directly from him and what God has put in him. Uh, Marion was also my roommate for three years in college and I've told him I will cut this feed if he starts telling too many stories <laughs> this morning. Uh, but he's a dear brother and friend. We, we've been through it all, the, the fights as roommates, the arguments and, and, and then as prayer partners, prayer and and he's my fraternity brother and, and just more than all of it, he's my, he's my brother and friend in Christ, uh, holding each other down, uh, through accountability for over 20 years now, praying with and for each other, asking the difficult questions every husband and, and father and, and pastor needs to be asked and being a supportive brother throughout it all. And in many ways, I look up to him as my peer mentor, uh, in addition to the many mentors God has given me uh in this life marion i love you brother and victory church if we were in person i'd ask you to get up on your feet and show my brother and friend some love so i'm going to ask you to get on your virtual feet show them some love in the chat tell them you're praying for them tell them to preach the word of god and as he does say amen to the lord and what he is going to say through this brother marion today marion love you victory church welcome our family pastor marion mason
2: well hello victory church charlottesville victory family uh, Pastor Paul and, and Taylor, it's such a privilege to be able to, to serve in this type of way. I'm honored to be with you all today. And Paul, Pastor Paul, thank you so much for the intro and man, just your consistent friendship and brotherhood in my life. And I'm so glad that you and Taylor and the children have had some time to get away, to refresh this week. And, you know, it's funny, every time you share uh, that verse, uh, Psalm 1824, I chuckle a little bit. Uh, And you all know that verse he shares. uh, This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I think part of, you know, I chuckle uh, part of that laughter or that little chuckle is because I've heard him say it thousands of times. I mean, literally, Pastor Paul has shared that verse and I've heard it thousands of times uh, from him. But each time he says it, it sounds a little different. And and I think even a day like today during this season, Um, it carries a different weight. Uh, It carries a much different weight to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, the the wonderful thing about that verse is that it's found in a passage of scripture, uh, Psalm 18, or 118, excuse me, where it begins with, in verse one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And at the end of that passage, in verse 29, the psalmist writes the same thing give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Uh, There's something about giving thanks to the Lord based on his love for us that endures forever, that transcends our circumstances, right? There's something about giving thanks, something about gratitude that changes our perspective. Ezra 311, we find it throughout scripture. Ezra 311 says, with praise and thanksgiving, They sang to the Lord, he is good. His love toward Israel, here it is again, endures forever. Psalm 717, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praise of the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 103 through 4, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name uh, in the coming weeks this theme of giving thanks is going to be something we get a healthy diet of uh thanks during this season is uh it's interesting to say the least and i'm thankful that we're doing this series because it allows us to posture in a different way. And we'll be able to hear a consistent theme of God being the the center or God being the object of our affection. And so as we give thanks, we're giving thanks to him. Our thanks, our gratitude, again, is not conditioned on our circumstances. And I'm gonna pause right there just for a second, because I know saying that um, some of our minds went in different directions, right? And so what I'm going to do is just pause for a second, and I'll just tell some jokes, uh, and not jokes, but just share stories about Pastor Paul. Um, where do we start? If you want to hear some stuff about, just put a man in the chat, and actually just go ahead and put a. You don't even have to put a man; just put a. A, I want to hear it, right? <laughs> but uh, Paul told me not to do this, so he was going to cut my feet. So I, you know, I'm I i will not necessarily go there. But I will say this. Uh, there aren't any stories, uh, no stories about pastor Paul that disqualify him as a professor or disqualify him as a pastor. Um, and really not, not that many stories. I mean, I maybe have 40, <laughs> 40 or 50 stories. Yeah, there's a lot of them for real. We have some funny times, man. Uh, but I do seriously want to pause just for a second to give us a moment to take a breath. Because when I did say that, that portion about, uh, our thanks or gratitude is a condition on our current circumstances. Some of our minds went there, right? Our minds went to the things that are most pressing right now. Some of us have uh, have lost family members, that's real. Uh, and our emotions and our mourning and our sorrow, that's real. Some of us have lost jobs and some of us are trying to steward what it's like to, to manage kids in the house and teach them and, and manage work virtually or whatever it might be for us. We're stewarding over a lot of challenges Right now, so giving thanks, we need to really understand it in context. And so I'm so thankful for the team at Victory Church, uh, Charlottesville, what you all are doing down there, and and what God is doing in the midst. And that we're tackling this series in such a, a critical time in the history of our own lives, but in the history of our of our country and our world as well. But I will say this about Pastor Paul, um, you know, he is when, talking about things that are. Um, you know kind of routine things for us that we can't really do. some people are even a little frustrated because they don't get to see their teams play uh, or work out or do those types of things. but I know for Pastor Paul in particular, Pastor Paul's a huge Yankees fan. I don't know if any of you all knew that or not, but I remember when we were in college, uh, Pastor Paul used to wear this <laughs> he used to wear this Yankee hat. It was a fitted hat, but Paul wore that hat so much that it became uh, unfitted. I don't know if that's even a word but it, it wasn't fitted like tight around his head anymore. It was, you know, he stretched that thing out a little bit. And, you know, we got some good chuckles and I bet you he still has that hat. and He might still try to rock it from now, every now and then. But but I think about that as it relates to our normal rhythms, even the rhythm of cheering for our teams, you know, that's shifted a little bit. There may even be some of us um, that are, are lonely and trying to figure out this whole relational thing with our families. Uh, but I like that the Apostle Paul um challenges us to give thanks and this series is going to be powerful the apostle paul says in all things give thanks and remember the apostle paul was shipwrecked he was beaten he was cold he was hungry he was lonely he was even in prison you know one of the things that we can really do as we navigate this series and i think that would be most helpful for us is that we're to try to keep everything into perspective that we are focusing on god as the object of our thanks that we're able to be thankful uh, because of, of, of him. And I do want to lay this foundation, uh, for the series, but also, um, shift gears just a little bit, because I do think that there's something about Thanksgiving, but there's a, uh, you know, this, this thing called hope that runs, I think, parallel. I would even say parallel with thanks in a lot of ways. Well, one being that, that Thanksgiving and giving thanks is oftentimes in the moment and also looking back, looking at what God has done. Hope, on the other hand, we're looking forward. But it's variational in theme. It's they're intertwined, they're interwoven. They go back and forth because the object of both of those is God. You know, Psalm 118 started off by giving thanks. And this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And on the other side, giving thanks again. The passage is so powerful. I think it frames our series well. But the question I have for you today is: In the midst of this season, in the midst of this challenging time, um, how are you managing? What are you doing? What happens when you're squeezed? What happens when you're pressed? Because the Apostle Paul, when he writes to us throughout the New Testament, he's often pressed. He's often squeezed. And in our passage today, we're going to look at Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And we're going to look at hope as Paul, the apostle Paul, he, pray, he, he prays a powerful prayer for the people in Rome, but he also prays that for us too. And so the question for us today is when we're pressed, how, how do we manage? How are we handling this, the tension of being locked in the house at times or, or managing, uh, you know, the, the work piece or the school piece or the lonely piece or all those types of things. Now I'm going to tell a quick story and then get right into our word. In 1971, uh, there was a brand named Starter. Uh, a premium athletic brand pioneered uh, and what it did is really pioneered the fusion of sports clothing with popular culture it forged partnerships with major pro basketball teams football teams baseball teams and leagues hockey teams and leagues and also colleges in the late 1980s and 90s they rebranded and relaunched starter a little bit and it became um, just a big brand and they did it with this starter coat i mean it was it, it was a staple for everyone's wardrobe. If you were a child of the eighties or nineties, that like you had to have a starter coat, right? Sports fans, athletes, entertainers, everyone expressed their team pride in individual style. You know, the starter coat hit the youth of the United States hard, much like the Jordan brand or some of the other brands, it was a status symbol. You know, if you had the right starter jacket, you, you fit in, you were in the in crowd. Football teams uh, from cities like Dallas and Washington, and L.A. were really, really big, in particular L.A., the L.A. Raiders. You, you all remember those jackets? They were, they were black and they were silver and it was like sleek, but at the same time rugged. And so everyone wanted an L.A. Raiders starter jacket. Everyone wanted to wreck that city. Uh, and I remember one Christmas really wanting that jacket. My parents were pushing and they were really trying to come through. And I was, you know, we were, we were doing it, man. We, I was excited. And all the Raiders jackets, they were on backward. And I, I got an LA team, but it wasn't the Raiders, it was the Rams. Uh, and at that time, it was royal blue and yellow. And I can remember just being a little disappointed. But then as time went on, uh, the style started to change a little bit and people began to wear their clothes inside out, and in particular, our starter coats. And you would see the lining of the starter coats, right? And so you flip the Raiders starter coat inside out and you saw the, the gray or the black lining. But the Rams... I had a nice golden yellow, uh, a golden yellow type of of lining, and it drew attention. It drew people to it. And uh, as a seventh grader, man, I wanted, I definitely wanted that, especially good attention, wanted that attention. But it wasn't for, uh, wasn't because of the things that were on the outside that drew the attention. It was because of the things that were on the inside. I love the story that Pastor Paul shares, um, secondhand that his dad shares often um, around just. when you're squeezed and when you're pressed um what's inside is going to come out and i know i miss misquoting it paul uh but i encourage you to at, at any given time if, if you get some time to chat it up with paul have him tell stories about his parents uh mom and pop harris are folks that have ministered and discipled so many people directly and indirectly indirectly through people that they have poured into like their children like uh like chucky and mike and wanda and even our old pastor paul And so I'm so grateful for them. And I I remember Paul sharing that his dad shared this story. And it challenged me to think about what was on the inside of me. When I'm pressed, when I'm squeezed, what actually comes out? And I pose that same question to you today. Much like that starter coat that I flipped inside out drew attention from others because of the lining, when we're squeezed and when we're pressed, do the things that come out of us, does it draw attention to God? we draw people back to God in the way that we respond in the midst of challenging times in the midst of our circumstances now I love what the Apostle Paul does in Romans chapter 15 verse 13 he prays that God will fill us up with the very things that will draw people to him he says in verse uh, 13 of chapter 15 may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit us pray. God, we're so grateful for this time. We pray that you lead us, you guide us today in Jesus' name. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Romans, the apostle Paul, he does a lot. Uh, in the first 11 chapters, what he does is really lays the foundation for the Christian faith. He really teaches us what to believe. Uh, Paul sets forth this foundation. Uh, He lays out that all of us are sinful and that Christ died to forgive us of our sins, and that through that we have right relationship with God. And so he's laying all of these things out in, in chapters 1 through 11. In chapters 12 through 16, he shifts gears just a little bit and And in addition to teaching us what to believe, he teaches us how to behave. And so there becomes this personal piece of things that he's working on the church and he's working on these people that are in Rome that call themselves Christ followers. And so he's giving them this personal charge. And so in our chapter, chapter 15, what was going on is that Paul is trying to unify the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, He even leads into that verse 13 with verse 12, and he He's really talking about Jesus. He talks about the root of Jesse will spring up and He will rule over the nations, and in him the Gentiles will have hope. And so this hope is found in Jesus. So the Apostle Paul, he's laying this foundation out for us. He's saying that we're to behave in a way that's pleasing and honoring to God because we have hope in Jesus. And so when, he get, when we get to verse 13, what he's doing, he's praying for these very people. in the same way I think that Paul is praying for us today says, may the hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. This God of hope that he talks about, this is one of the mega themes uh, in the book of Romans that we see God is there uh, forgiving us of our sin, that God is there offering us salvation, that God is there growing us and molding us into the image of Christ, that God is there in his sovereignty and control over all. But in this prayer in particular, what we observe is that God is a God of hope in the same way that he was with Abraham, in the same way that he was with Noah, in the same way he was with Ruth and Naomi and Moses and Joshua and Taylor and Paul and Ashley and Nathan and Zandy, that he's there with us as well. Psalm 119.49, thy word, he refers back thy word, meaning that God is the object on which thou hast caused me to hope that there's a hope that we found and the hope that we find in who God is. And so as Paul articulates this prayer for the people in Rome, and as he articulates it for us today, that he is encouraging us, may the God of hope fill you, that we're able to have hope, that we're looking forward to this hope, this justification, this 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 salvation that we find in him. He goes on to say that he will fill you with all joy and peace as we trust in him. This idea of, of filling us with, with joy and peace, uh, this is something that's beyond what we can We can imagine in our own flesh that oftentimes when we think about our joy, that it's coming from external circumstances, that it's coming from things that are around us. But the joy that Paul is referring to here is the joy that we have in God. This this joy in scripture talks about it as being joy unspeakable. And this peace that he talks about is a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, I love how our lead pastor at my church and in d c pastor uh, Dr Batterson, he says that anything that we um, that we don't turn into praise turns into pride, and as we think about this joy, if we're dependent upon external situations and us doing our best and doing something and being joyful because of that, then we're taking on all of the the responsibility for creating that joy. but Paul is saying the exact opposite here in, in that as we are turning our lives over to God, as we're trusting in him, that he's going to put joy, that he's going to put peace in us. Hmm. Victory Church. Uh, toward the end of that passage, he goes on to say uh, that we may abound in hope, some versions say, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is doing this work in us. That the Almighty God, that that as he, he sits on throne on high, that he's That his spirit is molding us that his spirit is shaping us and that same spirit that raised and the same power that raised christ from the dead it now lives within us and it now is a power that creates this joy and this peace in us so that we may overflow with hope this rests in the justification that we have that as we're, we're diving into this and as we're trying to understand it that it's a sense of our justification and our our sanctification that God is doing this work in our life that he's molding and that he's shaping us and that there's nothing that we can do to earn it. It's like that grace that you all talk about often at victory, that unmerited favor, something that we can't earn, something that God gives to us freely. Uh, It's by faith and, and grace that we've been saved through faith, not anything of ourselves. You know, Paul, the apostle Paul, he does Just awesome things with this prayer, and the one thing that sticks out to me, one observation that sticks out, is that Paul is not praying this for himself. He's praying this for the people that are in Rome. He's praying this for people like us today, that we may experience the very hope that he has. You know, this observation that that we're to trust in God, that we're not trusting in ourselves, and so we ask, you know, how do we how do we do this? You know, how do we truly trust in God, particularly in a season where Uh, things are really tough where, man, I may have have lost my job or I'm struggling in my relationships with my children or my spouse or or friends and family, or I'm lonely because I'm locked in the house uh, by myself. How do I navigate this? You know, I think there are two things that we can pull from scripture, uh, particularly in this verse, that allows us to kind of function in that type of way, that allows us to kind of trust, not only trust God, but be prepared to receive everything that he's going to imparted everything that he's going to fill us up with uh, two things one is our posture if we look at the beginning of that verse may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him this idea of filling up you know one of the things that our family does right now uh, we just try to get out the house uh, our girls are on, at home all the time on zoom and one of the ways that we kind of charge up a little bit is getting out the house and we go up to the track and we run a little bit and spend some time up there and sometimes it's not, they don't pop right up. You know, sometimes I got to drag them out of the bed, (laughs) I'm grabbing legs and my girls are eighth grade, sixth grade and fourth grade. So they're getting pretty big now. So I I get my workout just dragging them out of the bed. Um, But our posture is really important particularly as it relates to filling up our water bottles. Um, And I do, it's this Gatorade bottle and I do reuse Gatorade bottles and fill them up with water. But we have this this, kind of dispenser on the front of our refrigerator. And in order to fill it up with water, you have to take the top off. If you don't take the top off, you can't adequately fill it up, right? Because water will splash all over the place and run all over the floor. And so there's a posture of removing and laying down of something so that you can be filled up and, and poured into. With us, it's no different. Our posture, what Paul is saying here, that, we're, that we have to allow the Spirit of God to pour into us, right? There's in scripture, we see this idea of grieving the Holy Spirit or not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our life. And so by us removing by us removing the tops in our lives, and that might mean idols, there might be some type of sin that we have that has been um, besetting or something that's popped up in our life as it relates to just being locked up in the house. Maybe we're doing something or saying something. Maybe we're even complaining, or maybe it's something that we're not doing that God is wanting us to do, but it comes in a posture of surrender to him. Is saying, God, I'm an empty jar of clay. I want you to fill me up, pour into me everything that I need to do your will, to do the things that you want me to do. And so in this instance, what we're saying is that you posture yourselves in a way, you remove the cap, you remove whatever you need to remove, and allow God to fill you up with joy, allow God to fill you up with peace, and allowing him to do that as you trust him so that we may overflow. So that the hope that's in us will overflow to those that are around us. And so the second thing that we can do in addition to posturing ourselves is to place ourselves in the right position. You know, there's this, this thought of a, of a change in posture and a change in place or position is also a change in perspective. If we posture ourselves differently, if we move ourselves in another place, then there's a, a change in the perspective. And we could use a change in perspective right now. Someone say amen. You can just put another A in the, in the chat there that we can use a change of perspective. And so this idea of changing in place and and position, uh, what it does, it allows the overflow uh, to then pour out to others around us. And so what that might mean for us is being in community with someone that's different from you. It might mean positioning ourselves in such a way that as God pours into us this joy and this peace that surpasses all understanding, which is going to create this overflow of hope, that this overflow also pours out to others that are around us. You know, the awesome thing about overflowing is that, and you can imagine just pouring into this bottle and it overflows. As it's overflowing, the bottle is going to remain full and it's going to water everything around it. It's going to pour out on everything that's around it. And so as God is filling us up, we don't, we're not, we're not using hope. We're not, excuse me, we're not losing hope by pouring out to others, but it's the overflow that pours out on those that are around us. Man, what a season for this, right? To be thinking about how we overflow and and pour out on others, particularly as we think about this next week as this election and as we embark on this election and everything that's going on around us, you know, victory, one of the things that we can do is consider how we're positioning ourselves, literally position ourselves to be a blessing to someone else. Uh, remember that Paul was writing to unify the Jews and the Gentiles, and in this text here, he has just spent. You know, tremendous amount of time talking about embodying and bringing these Gentiles into the into the family, and that that Jesus is going to provide a hope for them. You know, let's don't write anyone off. You know, one of the things that we can do very easily uh, during these times is, if we hear something that we don't like or hear something that may contradicts maybe one of our values or something, we write them off. We write people off really quickly. And the reality is, we have to be just. We have to allow God to be just as original with others as he was with us, right? We were once you know, people that may have bumped up against people at times. We may still do it from time to time. We may disagree with others. But as we're in community with others, as we're placing ourselves in spaces where the hope that we have can pour out and overflow to others, we have to be mindful that we don't wanna write anyone off. We wanna let God work in those individuals' lives in the same way that he's worked in our life not only do we want to embody the, the hope personally, but we want to share it with others. You know That may mean that we need to flex some new muscles as we get out and want to engage a little bit. And, and so this idea of allowing uh, our hope to overflow, uh, one of the things that we've done as a church up at National Community Church uh, outside of D.C. and in D.C. is that we've uh, allowed our hope to overflow by adopting a couple of tenets of peacemaking, a couple of things that we try to lean into that hopefully embrace, uh, that we think embraces really what Paul is communicating even here in chapter 15, uh, preceding verses 13. Uh, What he says is that, you know, the first thing that we want to do is ask anything, that we want to be in a space where we can ask questions to anyone, that anyone can ask us questions, we being each individual, each of us as individuals. And so being able to ask anything, secondly, is to disagree freely is that, you know, we know as as folks, right, that there's just a lot of things to disagree about, that, you know, especially right now, when we look at things uh, culturally, or socially, or politically, that some, some, some of these things people just disagree about, uh, but being able to disagree freely. Third, is being able to listen well, that yes, I believe in discourse, I believe in dialogue, I believe in debate, I mean, that's, that's at the core foundation of our democracy. That's at the core foundation of being a part of a family, even that we can go back and forth and have discourse, but being able to listen well uh, is really important, particularly as we navigate the next couple of weeks uh, as a church then the next couple of weeks, just as a country and us as individuals. Uh, and then finally, just love regardless that no matter what happens, that we're still going to love someone. That doesn't mean that we have to be in in deep, intimate relationships with everyone, but we've postured ourselves in such a way that as the Spirit of God has poured in joy, as the Spirit of God has poured in peace, that the hope that overflows out of our life, that it waters everyone around us. And so for us, family, it's our posture, but it's also our position and, and where we place ourselves in order that we may reach Uh, those that are close to us. You know, Victory, as we uh, prepare to close out our time today, you know, I I can't help but to think about, man, the opportunities that God has provided for us during this season. Uh, This has been challenging season, no doubt, extremely challenging. Uh, But the one thing that that I can say is that God has allowed us to maybe see ourselves and see things about ourselves that we never knew that was there. Going back to that original question, when we are squeezed and when we're pressed, what comes out? Hopefully, when we're squeezed and when we're pressed, what comes out is hope because God has filled us up with, with joy, that he's filled us up with peace. But family, there, there are realistically, there are times that we hinder God from doing a work in our life, much like removing the cap off of the bottle and allowing the Holy Spirit to pour into us and or uh, repositioning ourselves or placing ourselves in a place where we can pour out. And so today, I want to offer just some prayer for each one of us today that maybe you're in that place, and I want to do, do maybe three different kinds. Maybe, maybe you're in that place, family, where you uh, have something in your life that um, is hindering God from pouring into you or preventing the Holy Spirit from being able to pour into you. And You just need to remove that stuff out of your life. Maybe it's an idol. Maybe it's an area of sin. Maybe it's something that even has developed over this COVID season. And so I want to invite you right now just to turn that over to God. But as you trust him, what you're saying is that, God, I'm trusting you not just to, to make everything better, but I'm trusting you with this, with this deep, dark stuff in my life or the things that are, that are hurtful or the things that I'm holding on to or the hangups that I might have. And so maybe that's for you today where you just need to turn that over to the Lord. For some of us, it may be worry. It may be anxiety. It may be things that we're just uh, stressing about that, we really don't have any control over. Maybe it's just the uncertainty, you know, and that's okay for us to be in that place of uncertainty, but maybe we just need to confess that over to the Lord and just say, Lord, in the midst of this, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust in in the reality of who you are, in your truth, in your word, in your love, in your care, in your grace, and your mercy for each one of us much like the the hebrew boys did in daniel where uh, they said that god we trust you and we love you and god even if you don't save us we're still going to trust you anyway you know it's in that space um maybe that some of us may fall into today where we just need to trust the lord in the midst of uh this time the final opportunity and i want to offer this to you and the the team is ready you can chat with them uh, right there on facebook live if if you know that when maybe there's just something in your life or, or, or you want to figure out what it means to walk with Christ. It's as simple as just accepting him into your life. Just saying, I know that I need a savior, uh, that I know that I fall short of that glory, that I know I have some sin in my life. The Bible tells us that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So for us, it's just admitting and confessing that man, we fall short and we need a uh, we need a savior. We need someone to save us from right where we are in this space. And so whatever it might be for you today, uh, Victory Church, I encourage you to lean in to the things that God is doing there in your city, the uh, things that he's doing in your church. And maybe the challenge for you today on the other side is just to reach out to someone and allow uh, the hope that you have in you to overflow to those that are around you. Let us pray. God, you are uh, amazing. You're a good father. I pray for this time today. pray for each person uh, that is present with us, Lord. And we pray for uh, Victory Church, Lord. I thank you for uh, Pastor Paul. I thank you for Taylor. I thank you for their team at Victory, Lord. And I pray for each person uh, that will be blessed by that ministry, Lord God. May you get the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.